It's phone a fashion fuck up Friday. Gratitude now in progress. Such a hockey. You are such a hockey. Okay. So we were talking about uh, gratitude. And I, I said I had just um, I had just posted a, a list of things that I was grateful for because uh, my, my longtime life companion, not wife, not sexually, but we are as spiritually uh, and energetically married as two humans could ever possibly be. Um, shout out, Tommy. Um, she does something called the Glad Game. And I remembered that it was a good day to play the Glad Game because I was whining so much I made myself sick. Uh, so the things that I am glad or thankful for, one, I have amazing new friends who are integral parts of my life. Two, I survived COVID when so many others didn't. Three, I have the best medical insurance of my life. Four, I have an awesome doctor who gives a fuck about me. Yes, I even say fuck when talking about my doctor on Facebook. Uh, five, my pack of pups, Ali, Umbra, and Nelly, they bring me joy. Six, I have a podcast that I co-host with my bestie. It's successful. Seven, I have teamed up with some amazing women to form a new corporation and nonprofit to better the conditions of people working within the apparel, within apparel, the global voices of fashion. Eight, though we are far apart, I have a wonderful family. Nine, I have awesome shoes and hats, number nine especially. Ten, it's been a year since I was sick enough to be in the hospital, and in fact, I've only been in the hospital once in a two-year period. I think that may be a record uh, for me in the last 20 years. Um, 11, orders have begun to come in for some work. 12, I have an awesome partner to build the cut and sew business back better than before with. Uh, 14, I am a fucking genius, even with brain damage. 15, I have brilliant, a brilliant children's line ready to launch. 16, I am alive and able to breathe with ease. As you know, that was not always the case. Uh, 17, I have food and shelter today. 18, I am privileged to have the tools with which to make this post. I'm aware that having a internet and a computer is a hell of a privilege. 19, I am not in any toxic relationships. That may be a first. And 20, I am Benson. Those are the things that I am uh, glad and thankful for. I have a lot of gratitude. I really, really like that list um, because when we're in this very curated American mentality. <laughs> it's hard to be reflective of the things that um, you have instead of the things that you are without. And, um, you know, my daughters are many times saying things like, oh, well, I don't like blah, 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 you know, this um, toy thing that used, they used to love or, you know, whatever it happens to be. Um, or, I, you know, I don't like that rock. <laughs> and I'm reminded by the adage that my elders partook um, to me when I was like that. And I'm like, you could fill an entire library or more with all the things you don't like. <laughs> Yes. Now, wouldn't you rather fill a library with the things that you do like? Like, let's talk about something else then. And I think that that's, that was that was the entire purpose of uh, Tommy's Glad Game. You know, uh, she had um, severe, uh, brittle, fragile asthma for a good portion of her life until the miracle of Advair and Singular and Claritin in combination basically 
erased asthma from her body. Um, and now she's an amazing film director, uh, award-winning film director. She uh, was the first woman to direct um, episodic true crime television. She, she's been working with ABC. Uh, we're waiting to hear what film she's going to do next because I feel one on the horizon for her. Oscars, shout out Tame. Anyway, that's where the glad game came from. On the days that she felt overwhelmed um, and not being able to breathe, um, she would play the glad game. And and knowing what the glad game was also helped me through my lung injury. All those times when I was in the hospital just feeling utter despair and hopelessness, I would remind myself that even now there are things in my life to be thankful for. I, I, I'm in a hospital. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they didn't just throw me out on the road. That's that's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also want to share a, 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 a verse from the book of Benson today. Uh, it's not always about how we handle our successes. Sometimes the measure of our character is how we handle our losses. Mm-hmm. The book of Benson. Okay, so that's the last card, correct? That is the last card for this week. I would like you to take your deck mm-hmm. and cut it three times and then count from the top down to card 27. I love the sound of tarot cards and oracle cards being flipped. Motion, energy, intention, and visual representation all meeting uh, <laughs> and, and time and space. No, it's, there's, there's a lot of energy there. Okay. So what is 27? 27 is this bright sunshine yellow card that says you are epic. And there we go. We are epic. I am most thankful that I am Benson because I'm <laughs> fucking epic. And, 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 you know, I have to keep reminding myself, even during these difficult times, and this is a tool that I think everyone who is in the creative industry uh, who is going to put pieces of, them soul, of their own soul out as garments or accessories or help paintings, photographs, those are all little pieces of our soul. And, and we're, we're very vulnerable when we put them out. So I think it's incredibly important for us to have the ability to find our um, our gratitude and to know how epic we are for even being willing to. Um, I remind myself daily, and this is a skill that I think everyone needs to, to really hone. At the worst of times, I remind myself that I have never failed myself in life, not once. Why would this be the time that I start? I have a I have a 100% track record of pulling the last rabbit out of the last hat and everything falling into place. Why am I fearful that this will be the time that I don't succeed at that? Well, and I know that you're not a avid podcast listener. However, <laughs> I am. Um, and I was listening to a, um, I think it's like a NPR um, segment, but they also have a podcast called Hidden Brain, uh, talking about different brain functions. And this particular episode was completely about how adversity at different times in your life 
actually yields different levels of greater success in, in measurable form. And I find and, that absolutely fascinating, by the way. <laughs> and, you know, we can look at we can look at, at the natural laws, natural physics laws of the universe. And one of the most basic laws, uh, well, there are two basic laws that we should uh, discuss. But the one that I want to discuss right this moment is that nature abhors a vacuum. So when you cling to all of the things and trappings of your life, um, and aren't willing to part with large sums of them, your hands are full and there's no room for anything else to come into your life. Nature abhorring a vacuum. When you release things from your life and create space in your life, that becomes a vacuum. And the very nature of our, of our physical universe is that vacuums are full, are filled. That's how the big bang and the big collapse black holes are basically big celestial galactic vacuums that are being filled by star matter. So um, the second thing that I think that we should always remember and maybe mention today is that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So I need to make certain that the actions and the energy and the intention that I'm putting out are going to have the opposite um, reaction and that the results will be what I want, not to continue to just, it's healthy to vent, there's healthy venting, and then there's a cyclical, a rapid cycling mental illness venting, and I need to be really careful that I don't get there. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty shook right now. I, I, I'm not young. Um, I have a damaged shoulder. My right arm is fairly useless from the elbow up. Um, I have all these issues with long haul pass COVID shit. Um, once upon a time, I would have just done this all myself. Mm-hmm. Not a problem. Yeah. Not a problem. I will move myself. God knows when I was 13 years old in sixth grade, I was the only person that helped my father move our entire home. Uh, um, everyone else went to sleep and I, through the entire night, um, did the work of a man. So I've always been strong. And this is, this I think is where the fear for me right now comes from is I'm just not strong right now. I feel vulnerable and I feel scared. And those are uncomfortable things for me. But I'm going to learn what it feels like to feel vulnerable and scared and perhaps grow some new compassion for people who are vulnerable and scared, at least an in-depth compassion and knowledge of what that feels like. I've literally never really been scared. Mm-hmm. Well, not, and, and being honest about um, all of those feelings in it and how you as a creative person continue in a design process, you know, through all of those. Um, you know, and I think I sent you a message this weekend. I'm like, okay, so I applied for my first job (laughs) since COVID happening and, um, part of the form that, um, was the application process literally asked me like, okay, here's this big long page of different things that are considered disabilities. Do you consider yourself a person with one of these disabilities? Um, And if you clicked yes, then it immediately took you to a government website where they were doing um, data collection so that this particular employer would get a tax break for hiring somebody with a disability. And so, you know, I find, I find that really interesting 
um, that our government um, is willing to um, provide kickbacks to these larger employers for um, employing people like you and I. Um, but who knows, who knows will, whether they'll even look at my, you know, I've run a factory resume or, <laughs> but like, or, you know, Vitae, but, um, is more accurate, but, um, yeah. <laughs> the gays got hold of that word. Uh -huh. <laughs> no, I like, I, I didn't understand the difference and I'm going to break in. Cause I was like, what? Mm -hmm. uh, I realized that a Vitae lets us tell a lot more about ourselves than just the work that we've done. And I like that we've made that change. So, and I'm dying to hear who you've applied to, but I'm not going to ask you to tell me right now because that could jinx it. Well, yeah. And like who, you know, at the root of it, who knows? Oh, but I think that um, getting back into a pattern of up close in the industry everyday work would probably be beneficial to my working brain space. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like being around uh, the graduating seniors. It's that same feeling where like, oh, that's very inspiring what you're doing. Oh my gosh, I love this. Or the times when um, I did the black and tan events, you know, giving oh, fabric hooks away and going like, that is incredible what you made with that. I would never have thought about, but I love that, you know, like, so, you know, I think being around other people who have been in the industry, um, would be actually really good for my brain and really good for our podcast, honestly. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you know, I, I love that you're going through that process because, you know, I, I've been bitching about that for a year. I'm like, I filling out applications. I haven't had to fill out an application since I was 20 something when I started my own company. It's weird to apply for jobs after having been self-employed for so long. And I've had jobs like I, I worked for AT&T Wireless at the height of the craziness that they were going through with line number portability. I worked for the state of Texas in the lottery department and helping with SNAP benefits. I actually used to be the guy that um, ran all of the welfare um, and, and uh, SNAP and EBT benefits for Maine. We ran EBT benefits for uh, Michigan, the bridge card. Um, and they put me in charge of that pod instead of the lottery pod because I was the only person there that didn't look down on people who had been on welfare, having been on welfare myself twice yeah. in my life. So um, I, it's always weird to work for other people uh, and, and, and applying for like the, the job that I want here at the College for Creative Studies. Um, <laughs> what is your teaching philosophy? I don't know. Teach. That's my teaching philosophy. Share knowledge. Um, inspire students. So I, I, I actually spent six weeks writing a teaching philosophy. Um, and, and those are all good exercises. You know, it's, it's uh, it, paychecks. Mm -hmm. Paychecks suck. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I'm thinking when I go back, I've always uh, taken care of the partners and the people that work with me to the best of our ability. Um, most often they were making more money than I was. I know you know that song and dance. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm thinking like maybe I need to, paychecks are lovely, but having $900 every two weeks really doesn't give me much buying power. And all buying power is, is the ability to have choices, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking maybe I need to pay people uh, quarterly or biannually 
um, so that they have massive sums of money with which they can actually uh, leverage things in their life. It's really hard to save. If you have a big sum of money, you can now buy a car. Having a car can change your life. Having a, a, a vehicle that you can depend on can change your life. It's not easy to save for that, and not everyone has the credit. So I'm thinking about when I when when the business is thriving again, what is the better way to empower the people that work with and for me to to have purchasing choices, to be able to leverage their money for bigger choices, to buy a house, to have the down payment for a house. Um, just things that I'm thinking of as I've been an employee. It was weird getting paychecks. I'm like, I living paycheck to pay. I haven't done this. Such a whiner. I haven't done this since I was in Texas dying and I worked for the company that tried to kill me. Um, it's weird. It is weird. Well, and, you know, I know you and I've talked about it and the other people that I've been a business death doula for <laughs> uh, <laughs> that I've been really yeah, open about. Yeah, yeah. That's that, a, that should go on your resume. <laughs> business <laughs> death doula. No. Maybe not uh, when I'm applying for that job. <laughs> <laughs> Um, then they think that I'm the person coming in telling everybody they're fired. Um, anyway, not happening, not the thing. Um, but, um, oh, poop, ADHD, I hate No, you. no, I'm, I, I'm having a really whack. I keep losing track. You were talking, it's my fault. I just threw you off the track. Uh, what were we talking about? You were talking about, um, um, putting yourself in a position to have to seek work. Oh, yeah, like, um, really just kind of um, coming to terms uh, with more than just my death doula group, um, that, uh, or a business death doula group, I guess is more accurate, because <laughs> um, there's a difference, um, that be having a paycheck job, um and our um friend june and austin who's a lawyer shout out june um shout out to june i love june that it's um it would be a way to bootstrap the losses from my previous business um, because, you know, what a lot of people don't realize, and I'm not a lawyer and blah, 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 blah. But if you're going to get an SBA loan and they actually award you an SBA loan and you are a company that is a sole proprietor and your business then closes or files for bankruptcy, um, you're still on the line, on the hook for paying back that SBA loan, whether, whether you your sole proprietor or whether you're a uh, partnership that gets split up between the people that originated the company. And so those dollars don't get forgiven by the government, especially when it's SBA. I'm still paying off my SBA loan for a company that has been failed for, um, you know, over 10 years now, <laughs> or yeah, I guess it's almost 10 years because my daughter's almost 10. And, mm -hmm. and in your case, it was presented as a forgivable loan. Oh, yeah. Everybody was like, oh, yeah, you should totally get an LLC. It'll give you the protection, um, you know, if you were to get, able, you were to get loans. And it did to some level, like when I went to bankruptcy uh, court, um, a lot of my lenders slash all of them, <laughs> um, except for um, that governmental uh, loan, because our um, 
uh, court system is run by the government anyway um (laughs) so like they of course the government's there um and they want their money but you know the other banks um that my business owed money to through credit cards and um uh, like a line of credit from the bank for operations, those were forgiven because they just didn't even freaking show up to court. Um, but I had all of my equipment that I was paying storage on while everything was going through the courts. Um, and ultimately, everybody, um, including the government, decided to abandon the sewing machines and fabrics um, and dismiss the debt. Um so the government wasn't like, hey, you got to sell these sewing machines because clearly they're like, you know, we want business to be, you know, remain here in the United States. Um, and it behooves us for you to be able to keep equipment to be able to try and. Um, and, 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 you know, I still have uh, at least half of the machines you gave me. Mm-hmm. We did sell some to Tina for the uh, Lightstar, um, as I like to call it, Blight Star. Uh, we did sell her some of the machines, but uh, I still have zigzags and double needles and um, straight stitch. I have I have all of the best of the machines. I uh, miss tables. those zigzag machines so yeah, much. If, if, oh well, my if, golly, honey! You know you gave me two of the torpedoes. I have two gray torpedoes. Um, if you need one back, it's yours. Well, like I'm. Um... I have zero redundancy in my studio, but I also have zero space in space. my studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need to change that. more and more. I think, Lord, I just need to go to Denver. I don't have kids. There's nothing really keeping me here. I should find the means to get to Denver so that we can compile our machines into a real space and um, have a school, have a cut and sew, and have our own ateliers. And then, you know, Denver needs fabric again. They've, they've lost the best source of fabric, and we could rebuild a textiles or Detroit fabric company in Denver. So I'm thinking about that. That's on my plate. I, I want you to know I'm looking at New Orleans. Staying in Detroit is my preference. I did come here to do something, and I've never been a quitter. Uh, New Orleans, uh, just for a season. I have uh, two rooms uh, rent-free. I can work and watch dogs and just chill out and, and feed my spirit through New Orleans. And then Denver and L.A. Um, New York is on that list, but New York is impractical because of the immense expense of it. Oh, my gosh. It's so expensive living in New York. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's, it's it's expensive living everywhere now. At least in New York, the price that you pay to live there gives you lots of bang for the buck. Um, but to me, I would rather live in L.A. because L.A., I think, actually, while it doesn't have as many fashion houses or publishers, it really is where all of the textiles first hit America. Half of what you, no, 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 no. 90% of what you see in New York in the fabric district came in through the port of Los Angeles. And then the people in New York are paying to have it shipped across the country on top of, um, so it's cheaper in LA. It's easier in LA. It's fresher in LA. It's newer in LA. Uh, LA is probably a better place to live. They're a little more health conscious. They're they're definitely very liberal people. all the conservatives are apparently moving to Texas and they think they're punishing California and California is like, bye. Uh-huh. Cause every, every conservative asshole that leaves opens up a space and drops the rental market. Yeah. Uh, we don't need the, your conservative vote here. You, you just go on to Texas and do your thing, sugar. 
Um, so, but, but Denver is actually for me before, um, before LA or New York, even though Denver doesn't have a real apparel culture, they used to. And I think with the right people involved, they could again. Well, there's some really good, um, what I would consider um, Denver trailblazer uh, personalities here. And um, there's a decent um, industrial machine repair um, place here, which is great because it did used to have an apparel industry here. Um, and so there, there's a decent knowledge base um, here, I do have to say. Um, and when I'm looking at all of the um, number of fashion jobs uh, here, I'm like, you know, it, it makes sense um, when, you know, 10 years ago when Ty and I first started talking about uh, moving here. You know, like, are we going to have more kids? If we do, we're definitely moving. Um, and um, <coughs> because it's a travel hub um, from the airport here, it's really easy to get to places like LA. It's really easy to get to places like New York. It's, it's an international airport, so you can fly out from here very cheaply. And that was one of the reasons, um, you know, I, I love that my husband's company is so flexible. Um, and when we started talking about like, Hey, you know, for the good of our daughters, we really do need to make this move. Um, and they were like, great, where do you want to go? <laughs> so, I mean, we had a pick of a lot of different places. Thank God he didn't want to go to Florida either. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, and they have a place in San Diego, which would have been absolutely delightful um, weather-wise, but very expensive to live in also. Um, and ultimately, we settled um, here in Colorado because we do so much camping um, and backpacking, um, and have done that for a couple decades together. And so, um, it was, a it was like a no brainer for us. Like, okay, there's an right. office in Denver, then that's where we want to be. Please, um, make it so. <laughs> Denver is a bit pricey, um, frankly, but Denver is a mm -hmm. bit pricey, but I think that, I think that the, the, um, you being there, uh, makes it more more um, appealing to me. Um, I think that we've both finally grown into a place in our lives where uh, neither of us has a, an ego that could clash. Um, and I think that we we're through this podcast process and setting up Global Voices of Fashion, we're really learning how to smoothly work together like a tight unit. So um, just I just want you to know that that's out there. I'm, I'm thinking, you know. Well, you know, and I, I can't say enough nice things about um, Colorado personally, and I was not the type of candidate to be like, let's move. I was really committed to staying in Austin. I, I totally drink the Kool-Aid. Like, that is my... That is my hometown. I don't want to go any, you know, it was, it was that. And so um, now being converted to um, the possibilities here, you know, like I can totally, I could see that. Um, but I could also see um, New Orleans because it has a different vibe. Um, but you'll have to, you know, put your, um, 
uh, shout out Rachel, uh, sent this to her last night about, you know, what is your um, judgment scale of regret about each of those places? And so that's part of that same list that you were talking about earlier. It's a different kind of thankful list. Like, you know, what is the good that you would find in those in those cities? And those cities, right. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm sort of needing to look at a realistic time frame. Uh, New Orleans is so um, attractive right now because my cousin uh, will let me just have two rooms mm-hmm. rent free. I, not that I wouldn't, that I would just leech off of that. I would certainly make an income there and add to the household. Um, and I would love to spend time in New Orleans. It would be very healing after the pandemic. Well, and is, have that layer of PTSD stress about, you know, how am I how, even supposed to make this work when the landlord can't do their part? Right, number one, right. number two, you know, there's so many resources out there. Like if you have fucking 24 hours in a day to take buses everywhere. Yes. Yes, there is. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's not set up for people who are really in need. And, and when you made the post the other day, uh, I was just like, it's just so fucked up. All of it's just so fucked up because I I believed in an America where every American was honored to be a patron of all of the arts. And Preach. It, it really hurts my heart when um, I see you struggling because I view you as one of the fashion artists of our time. And um, which is why I wanted to start these conversations with you because I felt like you had the personality type to be able to have these conversations with other fashion artists. And And I think that that, that you are unique and and I am unique in that we can share um, our pain and our losses and our fashion friend fuck ups uh, without diminishing ourselves. We are at a point in our lives and our careers and and our um, self-awareness that we really don't give a fuck what people think of us. So we can be honest about ourselves. And I think that that is so important to this mission that we have. I, I mean, how could I talk to people about their struggles if I've never had any? Mm-hmm. How, how could I honestly do that? How could I, how could I even pretend to do that if, if, um, if I haven't had a struggle? Well, and I guess what gives me that um that other four letter word hope <laughs> is is really l- looking at these cards and and being presented in my random times um in driving kids around getting house cleaned blah 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 mommy crap of being gifted the opportunity to listen to that podcast about hidden brain and adversity and um, what blossoms from it and knowing you 
that I feel almost an excited anticipation, like a happy, excited, like a you are epic yellow <laughs> excited <laughs> about what is going to come forth and blossom from this for you. And, 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 I, yeah. and I don't feel any, any darkness, any negativity, any, any woo woo weirdness. No, I, I think also this is part of my second Saturn returns, learning, learning how to harness the Phoenix uh, rebirth and, and, and to direct what the fire takes um, and what it leaves. Um, maybe, maybe it's just time for me to stop being the man who always um, follows through, even when it's not the best choice. Like I came here to do a thing, that thing is not happening. I maybe I need to spend my energy elsewhere. Maybe that's the entire drive to disconnect from my Detroit underground artist community. Maybe I just need to disconnect so that I am free. Um, and I and I have opened myself to other possibilities. I mean, for a while it was only like oh, I, I've got to find this Detroit space and I've got to get that. And now I'm like, you know, sometimes the universe tells you that that's not your best choice. And your soul is saying, you got my soul. My soul is still saying, fuck. Um, (laughs) But, but you know, that, 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 that reaction comes from um, the self-awareness that I'm just not as strong as I used to be Mm -hmm. and that I cannot do this all myself. It's the first time in years I haven't had a partner to help. Well, that was the first thing that um, I sent, um, um, my friend Danny. Shout out Danny. Shout out uh, Danny. <laughs> yes. When I applied for this job, J O B, um, that I would be able to travel. I would be able to hire somebody part time to sew to teach and to sew the um orders that I have standing for, you know, clients, um, you know that just have like a standing monthly order and still be able to enjoy teaching, be inspired by new creative people. And it, and, and it sounded like, okay, well, I, I really do need to make a gratitude list about, you know, why am I putting my energy towards this? And, and a lot of it is, okay, I really want voices of global fashion to have the feet, to stand to do exactly what we want it to do. And so those were all of my, you know, my whys and my gratitudes about um, that happening. Um, And I've just enjoyed doing this podcast and I don't want to stop it um, because I think it's important um, that as we evolve um, in this um, really frank um, world of designing, that there should be a corporate perspective. And I, you know, I, I feel like that is, um, you know, that is the side of the pyramid that it uh, might be missing. Um, and whether it's me or somebody else, (laughs) but I feel like, um, there's a lot more to be learned than, um, an independent sewing house. And I haven't had that experience yet. I've just run my own sewing house. Like, this is how it should be done. (laughs) 
I, you know, you know, you know, when I was in San Francisco, I, I, I worked um, in several of the sewing facilities, the cut and sew, the big ones for that experience. Like, let's see how they do it. And that's, that's a lot of um, the, the knowledge that I bring to the table. Um, not only have I figured out the best ways on my own, because when you're bootstrapping it and paying for everything, you've got to find the most efficient way to do everything, the most uh, uh, expeditious way to do everything so that you can maximize profits and stay in business. But um, I enhanced that by working for some of the big cut and sews uh, in San Francisco. Skid Row was where those warehouses were. And I was in a hotel in Skid Row and kept seeing all of these amazing things thrown into dumpsters, trims and rib nets. Man, I was the biggest dumpster diver uh, the entire time I lived there. And I'm like, well, who's throwing all this out? And then I realized that I could get a job sewing. And I loved sewing with the Chinese and the Indian and the Mexican ladies who would smack my hand <laughs> when I didn't have it positioned right. I loved it. They were all like uh, aunties to me. And I learned so much. Um, I learned so much. So yeah, I think it's a good, I think it's a good thing. And if nothing else, Megan, you'll come away knowing that you didn't do it wrong. That you actually did it right. Does that make sense? Have I lost you? Oh, crap. I oh. am a muty, muty, muty. No, no, no. I'm like, uh, no, I'm on the right one. I haven't, I have, I'm, we're still there. <laughs> I think it would just be an interesting perspective um, after, you know, doing it and bootstrapping it and still paying for it. And <laughs> right? um, it just seems like a, a, a a logical progression to um, the knowledge base that I, f I feel like I want to have, you know, like I, I'm, I'm ready to see what that global voice looks like. Um, and, and I think that, um, you know, applying for a very large oh, company I've, I've, I've figured is, it out. yeah, good, good. Yeah. I know who you're going to work for. Good. Good. <laughs> but, you know, looking at that um, larger scale worldwide consumer uh, base, um, you know, I just think um, it's just an added benefit for for all of this process um, and right, hopefully for right. other people, too. Um, but, uh, you know, I really want these endeavors that you and I have started because it's brought us such peace. Um, it's also brought us closer together as humans um, and brought, like you said, in your thankful list, um, these new friends in your life that are integral to all like every single week <laughs> we're in every, contact with right, these every... new people and it's amazing because of how supportive they are and how supportive we are of them and i want to see all of that start off on a good foot and i feel like um by applying where i did that that it has the possibility of doing that um and um I'm, and i'm ready to write a thankful list for you know my house and family um because it's hard to feel like um, it's hard to feel like you're contributing in a family 
uh, setting in the United States when you're a quote unquote stay at home mom whose job is going down to the basement to record podcasts and making garments um, for people when we have the attitude we have about sewing. Um, it's not very respected, even though I have a very respectful husband. Um, and so I think it's something that could help me reframe a lot of, um, a lot yeah, of that. You, when I went to work at, at Western Michigan University, uh, per hour that I was there, per hour that I was actually active in teaching and, and the work that goes into preparing classes and, and you know, uh, doing my job, I was making like $65 an hour. And I thought, wow, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm worth something. And, and, and this isn't, you know, classes that were generating uh, $100,000 and they're paying me $3,000 for. So I, I was not being paid well as an adjunct, um, but I was still making an hourly wage that was outrageous. Now, of course, when I factored in the time it took me to get to and from Detroit, to Kalamazoo and back. Um, I think I was making eight twenty-five an hour, but I, you know, I slept on the train, so I can't really bill for for that. It was a great experience, and it definitely let me know that um, my experience is 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 serious enough. My my well of knowledge is is worthy enough that I'm getting paid sixty-five dollars an hour to use it, and sometimes it was a hundred dollars an hour if, if there wasn't a lot of pre-prep for it, mm-hmm. uh, and that was pretty amazing, you know. Um, it definitely changed. It was like working in film. When I worked in film, the amount of money I made for the work I did uh, was astounding. And I came away from California. That was the big lesson I learned from working uh, on a few films is how worthwhile my skill set is. And um, I had lost a bit of that as a business owner. That's why when you, a few months ago, you said, this is, no, don't, don't. Don't do a, a brick and mortar store. It will suck your soul away. Business ownership um, and being the custodian of a business is a whole big ass thing. Mm-hmm. And and while it's an incredibly worthwhile thing, it can be a very dehumanizing and uh, disenfranchising thing. We can end up feeling very alone. And when you're paying the people that work with and for you more than you pay yourself, it's a little message that you're not worth much. So that's something that we both have learned in different mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad, I think you should. And, I, and I'm, I, this is what I'm gonna tell you, you're gonna go in and realize that you know more than most of them anyway. It will be very <sighs> interesting. Like I, I, I would like take the job in a heartbeat, number one. Number two, at a minimum, I would love to see the facility um oh biscuit eaters i just dropped all of my notes um (laughs) real right now you're you're flying free like i do i don't keep a note i don't know what the hell i'm talking about (laughs) well i have to write this (coughs) summary somebody 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 does (laughs) but it would be it would be interesting to see how um you know this multi-level company has um uh, their operations set up in um, the design format just because, um, you know, doing the HR and training for um, the factory that you and I worked at and then running my own factory. Um, 
I would just be curious, and, you know, and I'm sure that they do like the whole, like, come visit our t- factory tour, blah, blah, blah. But um, I don't know. I Like on one level, I don't want to get super duper excited about it because um, reasons, ADHD reasons, jinxy, witchy poo reason. <laughs> I don't well, know. No, I, 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 well, also, you don't want to set yourself up for disappointment. If you don't get the job and you were sure you had the job, that that's a negative self-messaging too. Well, uh, and I, realistically, I... there's 23 <laughs> people that have, you know, I'm one of those 23 people. There's 23 people that have applied. So like, that's no, nothing to sneeze at. Well, you it's know? like when I applied at the college for creative studies to uh, run their studio, I was way overqualified. And it, like, I'm like, Oh, this, what they, this job description is, 20% of what I do in my own factory. I can totally do this. People in the industry here, people in the education industry here were shocked when they didn't grab me up. <clears throat> and I remember saying at the time, well, maybe they saw my resume and thought we're going to have a teaching position open. We'll save him for that. And lo and behold, there is a teaching position open full time. Mm. So, and I haven't applied for it yet. The city <laughs> has told, no, no, the city has told them about me. The city is leveraging having them um, hire me, apparently. Um, the city plainly sees that the job core in the city plainly sees that I am so qualified and a perfect fit. And yet I keep looking. I have it up. It's right here. The link to apply is right there. And I keep looking at it. Um, and then that's when the self-doubt comes in. And yes, even at this stage in my life, when I am fucking epic, I, I, I'm like, do you know why I'm not? Because I don't want to be refused again. I don't know if I can take a refusal right now. And that's just that's just whiny, whiny boy. Put on my big girl panties and get it done, Benson. I'm going to do that today, Megan. You've inspired me. Well, I like my decision over this past weekend um, camping was that I wanted to take possibly a part-time job so that I could pay off all the bullshit <laughs> from my previous company. Um, and have a clean working slate. Um, and as it is right now, um, my kids would be almost graduating high school by the time I'm done paying off, you know, my first business attempt. And that's kind of like, I don't like that number in my brain very much. And so I wanted to just bust ass and just get a, a job that, you know, would be able to help um, get my family back on uh, a more comfortable financial track. I mean, we, we live in a big home. I have a beautiful big studio. Um, I have a lot of equipment because it got abandoned by the banks and the whole fucking deal. Like, so, you know, there's all of these good things, but at the same time, I don't feel like I have the freedom to go forward because I have so much of, uh, the residual, um, so sister, um, stuff hanging wait, around. Wait, yeah, wait, it's, it's wait. like, it's right. <laughs> we're going to go back to the Bible now for all my Christian listeners. Mm-hmm. You have a, you have a millstone around your neck. It really, like, it feels that way. And and one of my favorite mach- sewing machines, um, that's a union special, um, mm. single needle, which is a kind of a rare machine. Anyway, rare machine. super nerdy, I realize. Um, I haven't wanted to even get its 
start stop switch which is super fucking easy that's the only thing that got destroyed in our um well that in our keurig but i'm pretty sure keurig means i work for six months you know up into the warranty and then i'm gonna fucking die anyway um i haven't wanted to fix the switches on this one machine i i feel like it the the respect that this machine deserves should be free of guilt and debt and um it it was so impactful the closing of my business um because it's still hanging over me i mean still paying on it every single month and you know looking at a job to alleviate um that burden sooner was my realization that I came to this weekend. Good. And, and I want to, I want to gift you something. Let's what see. happened to you and that millstone that you're still carrying and paying off and chipping away at is why when the city here tried to negotiate a loan, low interest SBA type loan for me, I said, you know, who in their right mind in the middle of a pandemic that has no end in sight would take a loan out I would rather have everything in storage than have you own it and 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 go forward. I, I have very little debt. I have very, most of my debt is medical debt. Right now I have one outstanding debt um, on, a, on, a, on a credit line that I got that, I, that obviously I haven't been able to pay. We haven't been in business for two and a half years. I'm making I'm- just enough. So I, I get that, but, but it was your experience when they offered this, I was like, oh hell, oh, Oh, hell no. I will be damned if I lose it all and, and owe money for the privilege of losing it all. Now I, mean, I would but- take the loan. Now I would, the things are good enough now. People are in denial enough now that shopping just happens like it was 1999. I would probably take the loan now, but I still don't know that that's the best choice. I'd rather have a grant. Right. Well, poof, uh, you know, and, and after winning a couple grants myself, I, I get that one totally. Um, but my takeaway from the whole banking financing of fashion um, is I understand why it was so difficult for me to obtain the loan that I did get, the SBA loan. Um, but my takeaway from it is what's the point of being awarded a loan that you are then using to pay back the fucking loan terms. And so like, you're right, Benson, what's the point? Um, until, you know, the economy starts doing the thing. Um, you know, I, mm, you know, what's the point of giving a business money that you now pressuring them to pay that money back with that same money. <laughs> it's yeah, just like no, the no, weirdest fucking that, thing ever, right? That that is that is the catch twenty two that the banking industry loves to find people in. And here's the weird thing: all the credit card companies were insured; they got their money, and then they sold your debt to somebody who might try to collect it, which is probably a big part of that millstone. So I I I, I just I just didn't do it. Um, and I don't know that I ever would do it. If, if my business isn't able to keep itself afloat on its own merits, it probably shouldn't be a business. That's my take. Um, and, and honestly, we need to talk about factoring. You, with, with the amount of orders that you had coming in, you could have had all that factored. And factoring is 90% insured. 
So if, if yeah. the thing like with the sports company happened and they reneged, you were 90% insured and you paid off 10% of it. And then you had all the product and all the stuff still in your hands that you could then just wholesale off. And, make and the money. funny part is I had just, it was like in the beginning stages of being introduced to factoring. Um, right because I was having different people um, in that business contacting me, you know, and I'm like, why would I want to do that? Well, like retrospectively, <laughs> that is fucking why it's insurance. And yes, they do get a cut. And yes, your client might complain because the price point goes up by, you know, 30 cents per garment, but everybody's protected. Nobody gets to be an asshole. Nobody gets to be an asshole and you don't have a 10 or 12 years of, of walking around with a millstone. And I understand how that, I, I understand, and I overstand, to use a, a, a Black American term, um, what, your, what your dilemma is. Because there was a point um, with textiles that I didn't know that I was doing enough work, and I felt that Mark was doing way more than I was. And there's a weird, fucked up little guilt that happens when you don't feel like you're paying your own, or carrying your own weight, uh, and in a, and a partnership uh, or causing undue burden to somebody or, or, else. Right. You know? Right. Like, like he's going to, so, um, and that in, in and of itself is a debilitating trap. So we're, we're really sharing a lot of whew, deep shit today. And I hope that our listeners um, are understanding what a set of pearls we've given you. And I use the term pearls very specifically because these are things that hurt our souls and our careers and our perception of ourselves, And like a grain of sand, um, we have formed pearls with them. And now we're giving you pearls of wisdom. Um, and I have a whole string of Megan Somerville pearls of wisdom, ma'am, that I wear every day. They're my worry beads. <laughs> let, let, let me remind myself, you know, uh, it's hard to fail. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to watch a business fail, no matter what the cause is. Did you do something to, uh, in my particular case, there was nothing I could do. The world stopped. Yeah. The laws didn't allow me to reopen with the, uh, with the ventilation with the lack of ventilation. I had circulating air, even at the warehouse, there was no way for me to, to ventilate air. Um, so even even knowing that it was nothing I did, that there was nothing I could do, that the whole goddamn global economy collapsed for a year, and that millions of people, including the Cast Cafe, who is closing on the 17th in six days after 35 years, that even businesses that established and profitable are collapsing. We did not fail. You didn't fail. Our country failed us. You did not have the support you needed in Texas. No, and well, that, that was unfortunate. And I know earlier we were talking about um, the speaker to TED Talks, um, and his name is Richard Saul Werman. Dick. And, <laughs> Dick Werman. No, he is so amazing. And what he was talking about um, at that particular speaker. Um, keynote speaker event was the fact that uh, and it was some astronomically high percentage number over 90 percent of businesses started in the usa 
fail within the first year. Right. 90%. Oh, and, and so like this got me really just my brain exploding um, and thinking about the commerce behind failed business. And maybe that's something that we can talk about um, because that's the whole reason why jobbers are out there. Um, that's the whole reason why we have the mentality of like, holy shit, did you see my outfit? I got this for $5. Um, and so it's a, um, and it all is married and hand tied um, uh, neatly to the lack of respect of um, independent designers or designers who are in our positions, um, artisan small, designers. Yep. Small business designers. Um, but or even, even in my case, when I became a mid range business, I mean, we were making good money. We were, we were solvent as shit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and that's, I, that is, that continues to be the mind fuck for me. Like how, how in the world could I have been so solvent and now I may be homeless? How did that happen? Well, my country failed me. My country failed me. Right. And, and a lot of people um, really were affected very similarly, Benson. And I think that it's going to come out more and more about how how deeply um, it's rooted in communities and, and uh, ultimately um, what you've been talking about today is, is uprooting and changing communities because it sounds like a, a big shakeup is headed your way in some form or other, right? <laughs> well, I think, I think that I am in the, the uh, Tumblr right now and the shakeup is happening and we'll see which marbles. You know, I just bought myself Four lottery tickets, and usually when the lottery gets really big, I'm like, I'll spend eight dollars because somebody's got to win, um, and dumb luck is dumb luck. And then there was one for forty five million dollars, and I'm like, oh, I and I thought Ben said, honey, even if you won a hundred thousand dollars, it would be awesome. Um, so uh, and not as many people buy the tickets when it's that low, so my chances actually improve. Um, so maybe I'll win the lottery, and you know. We'll just come to Denver and set up a factory, and we'll set up a factory here, and we'll get ourselves some Southwest um, business cards so we can fly back and forth, and we'll set up a showroom in New York, and we'll book uh, 10 years' worth of uh, trade shows for ourselves, and we will self-fund uh, Voices of Global Fashion and and uh, Advanced Fashion Disruption, because there's a lot more Russian uh, disruption that needs to happen, a lot more. Mm -hmm. Not Russian disruption. Because that's no, already no, happening. <laughs> plenty, plenty of Russian disruption happening. Fuck um, no, fuck. Not I, I. I bless the Russian people who are not involved. Fuck Putin. Yeah. Motherfucker. Fuck him. Uh, and I guess that's a good place to end because mm -hmm. this has been a really long call. And if anyone's still with us, um, I want to remind you that you should check out uh, Jen Sidery's uh, AngelForFashion.com. You should check out our website. 
advancedpassiondisruption.com, and you will find a uh, tab there that will take you right to Angel for Fashion. Um, be on the lookout for Voices of Global Fashion tab, which will be up in the next four or five months. Could be sooner, could be a little longer, don't quote me. Um, keep the Ukrainian people in mind. Uh, keep, keep yourself focused uh, on Ukraine. Keep yourself focused on the fight for uh, human, basic human rights for American women. Remember that when you buy the $3 t-shirt at Walmart, um, you have a throwaway. And maybe next time you'll buy two $3 t-shirts to support those companies and one $20 t-shirt to support a smaller American company. Um, I don't think that we have to stop buying fast fashion and collapse that industry, but we do also need to educate ourselves enough to buy some, some keepers, some investment fashion. And I hope that uh, if you're going to invest right now, it would be a good time to invest in some of the Ukrainian fashion designers. They're, they're brilliant, hot for one or two of them, actually. Mm-hmm. Some of those boys are hot. Woo! Give, yes. me a gun, give me a gun and send me to the Ukraine. Go click on those names. <laughs> Woo! I'll be out there supporting all those hot men. Um, honey, I love you. Thank you for being so vulnerable and so willing to to expose um, the pearls and, and the, the hard parts. I, I, I admire you. Um, I've only known a few humans in my life that had the same amount of strength to be vulnerable. You know, I, I think when I look at all the people that are constantly wanting to follow me on my, my social media feeds and such, um, I, I realized that when I started showing my vulnerability, it was to try to demystify the epicness of Benson. <laughs> and all it succeeded in doing was making me more human and more epic. Because mm-hmm. uh, if I can have these struggles and still reach the heights that I've reached, I, I think it gives hope to anyone. And I want you to know that that's what you've done today. And uh, being the doula of business death um, is a gift. That one conversation, Megan, the day I called you, I was going to kill myself. Um, I, I had reached the point where I was actually done. That morning when I had the conversation with myself that, um, can I do another day of this? The answer was a resounding no. Uh, I, I knew that I could give my dogs up, um, that they could be taken care of by somebody else, and I was done. And you reached out and said, you were thinking about me. And I said, do you have time for a phone call? So that call um, refilled my ability to hope and my ability to accept what was happening. And I didn't tell you that at the time because I didn't want to burden you and worry you that you needed to call me every day to keep me alive. Once I was uh, once I was off the ledge, I was off the ledge. But um, I think it's important for me to tell you that today because that is part of the millstone that you carry. That weight and the compassion and lessons and strength that you've gained from carrying the weight um, saved my life. Last night a DJ saved my life. Last night a lingerie saved my life from a dead heart. You saved my life that day, man. I was done. I I could not um, continue feeling like I had failed to that extent. So thank you for that, my darling. Well, I think that um, that's some heavy shit. Number one, number two. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's some, it's some heavy shit. It is. You know? Um, 
because I've had an inordinate number of people in my life commit suicide. Um, and I don't know if you know that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we're we're artists who know artists. And so, um, I think some of it is this, um, quantum connection that when we're hurting most, we reach out to the ones, um, that we see that similar quote unquote strength in. And, and a lot of times, you know, you'll see posts of like, you know, reach out to your strong friends because they're really fucking hurting right now. It's fucking true. Um, and every single time that I would reach out, it was times that I knew that if I didn't, that I too might not, um, have the will. Um, and so, um, God, COVID was just such a mental wreck and because it's this free radical for lack of any better word uh coming into our lives when you know we had designs and better expectations about how things were going to be going at that point in our lives because that's our our time marker as opposed to our uh, achievement marker And so I think it's important that we continue to write these grateful lists and we continue to reach out even when we're having painful moments because the universe is connected in these ways. And, um, you know, the vacuum is also something that coalesces like things around the swirl. And I think that, (laughs) that, that that's why we have stayed um, connected through this, um, through this and ultimately okay. why we'll continue to learn together through this and grow and rise mm-hmm. <laughs> and be epic. Um, right. I, I, I think that I remember that day so clearly. Um, I was cleaning up because I wasn't going to leave a dirty place um, for somebody to find. And um, my, my mother, you know, Make sure you wear clean underwear. Shut um, up, I was, mom. I, shut up, mom. I was going to leave a, an immaculately clean studio. Um, I was going to let people know that they should come and take what they want. Um, I, I'm not the type of person who will will be histrionic about a suicidal ideology. If I And I tell people this when I talk about feeling suicidal thoughts. I am not suicidal. If I was, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I would just end it. I would, I would draw a line and I would end it. And that day, as I was cleaning and you reached out, I started thinking. Uh, one of the one of the big challenges was the response of my community and even my best friends and family, with all of the platitudes and, and the sweet things that they were saying, and none of them knew what the fuck I was going through. No one, and I thought no one can even understand what this feels like. And then you reached out with one of your sweet texts, just sending you love and energy. And I thought, you know, there is one person who would understand what I'm going through. And I, and I asked you if you had time and we called and you, you dueled me through it. And that was a turning point. And it was also the point at which you first mentioned a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah my, 
but you beautifully manipulative witch. Um, so I think I think that uh, I think it's important that people have people in their lives, um, and specifically people in their lives who do who work within the industry. You know, Tame, shout out again, Tame works within the film industry, and and, and it can be similar to what we do, but it's mm. entirely dissimilar at the same time. They they definitely have um, intersectionalism. Uh, just being that there are costumes in films, there there is a definite intersectionalism, and we shoot photos and videos of our work. So, but it's not the same industry. And and I have other friends who struggle with careers, independent artists and filmmakers and designers and independent models and independent photographers, people who aren't represented by agencies, um, and. I think it's important that you have friends, young designers and new designers and people who want to enter the industry that you can talk to about what you're going through, because we definitely have a unique set of challenges. I mean, I can't talk to anyone about the pain that sewing for 17 hours on deadline for 10 days feels like unless they've done it. And, and it can be mm -hmm. debilitating, you know, when, when I'm doing a huge order, by the time it's done, I am physically incapacitated sometimes. Who would know that but somebody else who's done it? You know, I, I, most people think, oh, sewing, mm -hmm. well, that's easy. You're just sitting all day. Well, yeah, yeah. And lifting 50 pound bolts and, and moving tablecloths that each weigh 30 pounds and bent. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Um, thank you. It's... Thank you for being one of those people for me is what I'm trying to say. And uh, and I hope that I'm one of those people for you. It's definitely a reciprocated gratitude because Yay. there there are times where, you know, I can be going off about sewing nerd stuff. Yeah, and my it. husband, you know, tilts his head like our, our really, really sweet, stupid dog. And I'm like, oh, never mind. And then I call you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's important, you know. Like it's it's like people who are who are uh, book lovers. You don't go to the bookstore with somebody who doesn't love books mm -mm. because they've got about twenty minutes. <laughs> right. And I've got about the store opened at ten and it closes at ten. That's enough time for me to look. Mm -hmm. And the same with fabric stores. Thank God Mark was able to fall in love with the challenge of shopping for the deal. He loved to find the deal and he and he loved the the actual physical activity, we call it spelunking fabrics. And and sometimes he would go into piles of fabric that were so big that I would pray uh, to the gods and, and put energy in protecting him because had it shifted the wrong way, he would have been smashed and suffocated. But he loved that part of it. Um, so he never dragged me out of fabric stores, but most of the people I've ever partnered with or been in love with or married, uh, fabric store was a groan. Oh, well, there's a sporting goods store next door. You, and of course, you know, sporting goods is good for an hour, but I'm in the fabric store for six hours sometimes. Mm -hmm. I want to pet the thing. I want to touch everything. I want to <laughs> find the best piece I can find. Or sometimes I just want to go be inspired, which was how textiles tagline came about. We had so many people say, I just, I'm not here to buy anything today. I'm just here to get inspired. So we became textile where inspiration lives. And I was fine with that. Please wash your hands before you touch the silk. Mm -hmm. No oil on my silk, please. But yeah, come in. I had no problem with people coming in and just 
we let people take fabric outside and run around with it to see how it flowed. I, I fabric should be something that's that's revered to a, an extent, but it should be something that doesn't have so much pretension and fear about it. That's why we hang it. It's really easy to pull a hanger down and take the fabric off and unfurl the whole thing. A bolt is a, a bolt feels like you need permission. Yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, we've turned into a fucking love fest mutual admiration society today, which also <laughs> annoys me because it's horribly self-serving. But but the uh, the the part of this that is helpful to young people and, and new designers um, is so valid. Um, and I am thankful for you and I will remain thankful for you. I'm glad oh. we had this talk. I'm glad we had this talk too. And I'm going to keep my gratitude card kind of front and center the whole week. (laughs) So if that doesn't make you want to wretch with all of the gooeyness, then it's kind of, I I feel like I've been drinking honey, (laughs) honey, margaritas made with honey. (laughs) No, no. The line is daiquiris. I've just been to the most awful party where they serve nothing but daiquiris made with, Honey, anti main. <laughs> you have to say the honey part just right. <laughs> it's amazing. Honey. You know, I met Coral Brown, who played uh, Vera. I met her. She was attending bar in San Francisco. I got to hang out with Vera Charles. And uh, Coral Brown was just the most raunchy, wonderful, intelligent, brilliant woman. Uh, uh, story for another time. All right, ma'am, uh, it's time to say goodbye. And um, at some point today, we will record an episode. Um, that's up to you. I love yeah. you. I love you, I too. I hope you have a good day and get lots of puppy snuggles in. I'm definitely going to get lots of puppy snuggles, and the day starts that way. Um, <laughs> Miss Nellie really tried to, to get me out of bed before dawn today, and I'm like, bitch, I was up till 4 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting out of the bed till 10. I did get out of the bed at like at 8.30 to let them out. And I sat out in the morning sun with them for a while and gave them scratches and scratches. And then went back and slept for a couple of hours. Which when you called me this morning, uh, I was just toddling around like a two-year-old, bumping into things, um, trying to get my, my shit started. So it's going to be a good day. And, and uh, to our listeners, thank you for being willing to take this trip with us. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Um, sometimes it's shocking. Sometimes it's funny, but that is life. And we want you to know, and I know that I can speak for Megan on this point. We appreciate you so much. We appreciate that you're listening to us. We appreciate that many of you give us feedback. We encourage you to give us feedback, reach out. There's a contact us through both the Facebook page and through the website. Um, if you are enjoying the podcast or listening to them, or even if you're not, please leave us a, um, uh, um, what, is it, what is that called? We need them review. Please review us. Leave us a review. Mm-hmm. Say nice things. Say challenging things. You can tell us what you love, what you don't like. Um, the number one I don't like is you cuss too much. Well, fuck you. That's <laughs> never going to stop. And, and I say that with love. Um, but we appreciate you all uh, who are taking this journey with us, and we hope that you are you are gathering the pearls of wisdom that we're throwing out, and then the diamonds of knowledge and uh, how to. Uh, and we hope that we're inspiring you to be a part of a creative apparel culture that is better, that fashion can be better, 
that fashion can be healthy for all of us. We love you. I love you, Megan. Love you too, B. All right, man. Bye. Bye.